This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. We are starting a new series today called Generosity. Uh, connecting to what Sonica just shared about the, the mission, the purpose to reveal the goodness of God in our city. And so this morning, I want to give us a bit of an introduction, just sort of... Uh, Give a bit of context for this month. So we're going to each Sunday going to be sharing a different aspect, different facet of, of being more outwardly focused. And this morning, I want to specifically focus on the light of eternity. I want to, I want to share with you that in the light of eternity, everything looks different. So um, I am now almost 42. Yo. You. And it's been an interesting journey. I still know it's young. I know it's still young, but it's starting to feel a little bit older, to be honest. So we especially pick this up when, when, when Wesley Peak and I, when we go play squash. Now he's also there in his like 40-ish. Now I can just imagine, like 15 years ago, if we would have been playing, you know, we'd both just storm onto the squash court. You're just like, yeah, yeah, right, let's play. Now, it's lying on our backs, it's stretching, legs in the air, it is 10 minutes of stretching, you know, and uh, the game has significantly changed for us, especially if you had an injury that you've been carrying and you want to not have that injury again, but I tell you, I'm feeling it, I'm, I'm feeling um, a little bit older, and in the same way, you know, I've been... Sort of just evaluating my life and thinking, oh, 42 almost, you know, how much time do I have left to change the world? Because I really would like to do that. And making my sums and, and then you don't even have guarantees about the future. You don't know how long you're going to still be around. And so the last six weeks, we've had, we've done four memorial services. Four. Yeah. So we've cried with people. And uh, it's been super emotional. It feels like a truck drives over me every time I, I do a memorial service. And, and I must say, the last six weeks, I've just been so confronted with the reality of this life is short. And I think that, you know, we, we, when, you, when you hear about a memorial service or a funeral, you normally want to run the other direction. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to face it. You don't want to go and... We, don't, we want to run away from pain and disappointment and, and things like this. But, but we shouldn't. We should run to it. You should at least attend a funeral once or twice a year to remind you. And that's sort of the thing that I'm going through now. I'm, I'm telling myself and I'm realizing I'm not going to live forever in, in, in this world. Forever in eternity, but not forever in this world. And, uh, you know, we have no idea when we're going to breathe our last so I know it's not, we don't want to think about it, we don't want to talk about it, but we have to, because there's something beautiful that happens when we look at life in the context of eternity. So I want to give a, show you an illustration. I've used this before a few years ago, but I want to use this again. This is called the rope of eternity. Okay, it represents this rope. It goes there and there, and it goes behind the stage, and then it goes around the planet and it just keeps on going. 
And it represents eternity, that it is a, a really, really long, long, long time. And then we have this little bit here in the front. This is this life compared to that. This is how long this life is. And I want to show you this because I want you to, to visualize it. I want you to see it. I want you to, to, to notice because we battle to see, we, we sort of get stuck over here. We, it's all we see is this little bit. And we get stuck here, and the result is we tend to be more selfish. We, the result is we uh, tend to be more self-focused. The result is we tend to be more stuck to the things of this world. We tend to, 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 to get attached. Because we think this is all there is. But it's not. You know, for some of us, you are halfway down. Some of us, you are, woo-wee, you over there, you know, and it's not dependent on your age, actually, it's just we don't know when the last um, breath is, is, is going to be breathed. And so we need to make sure, there's something that happens when you see the rest, and it's amazing that this little bit, how you invest this little bit of time, this like, what, five centimeters, how you invest this little bit, influences all of that. It influences where you're going to spend eternity, and it influences how you're going to spend eternity. In other words, you could uh, be a believer, you could make it into heaven, but you're going to be poor for the rest of eternity because you wasted your life. But if you invest your life well, you get rewarded in heaven. God is into rewards, people. He is. He loves to reward His faithful servants. And He wants to reward you. He wants to bless you. But in the same way how we live this will determine where we spend eternity and how we spend eternity. And so I'm trusting that this morning we're going to just get a, a fresh glimpse. You see, the Word of God says that the Lord has put eternity into our hearts. In other words, you and I, all of us, we have a sense of eternity. We have a, an understanding. We have this sense on the inside of us that there's more to life than this, just this. He's put eternity on the inside of you. And He wants to remind us that this is not all of it. This is a very, very small part of the bigger picture. And if you and I want to become truly free from this world and become truly generous, then, you know, we need to get our eyes on the rest, on the, on the, on the bigger part, because then suddenly things shift in our lives. I mean, even one of our ladies that was in a car accident on Monday, and uh, it was this on the, on the N2, and um, most of you have seen the video, it's amazing, it's been traveling everywhere, but, uh, or everybody I'm speaking to said, I've, I've seen it. So it was on the N2 from Hemingway, a taxi coming down, and then it uh, went across the aisle, rolling and then struck her car, and she's fine, praise God, Cindy, hallelujah, so she's, she's, she's fine and safe, hallelujah, ambulance took her and everything, but she's fine, um, but four people died in the taxi, and there were bodies everywhere, it, it, was, it is a, a wild, wild video to see, and the truth is, you just don't know when a crazy taxi is going to come down flying straight into you. You know, so we need to ask ourselves this question, am I investing my life well? 
Or am I, am I stuck in the little bit? So I want to help us this morning to, uh, in the light of eternity, there's a whole lot of things that change. An eternal perspective, it changes our value system. It changes the way we value things. You see, when you only look at the little bit, then you think, well, your house, car, the things you have, oh, these things are so valuable. But when you realize you can't take anything with you, not even your iPad, not your fancy running watch, not your DVD collection, Blu-ray collection, not your internet subscription to Netflix, it's not going with you. It's just you. The angels will come and take you home. And so we need to, to look at eternity. And this, I'm trusting for a miracle this morning in our hearts that as we, as, we, as, as we broaden our perspective, that our value system will change. That we'll reprioritize. We'll downgrade the value of material things and we'll upgrade what? The value of people. Because only people will go to, into eternity with us. You know, when I, when I, before I became a believer, um, I didn't like people very much. I was an angry, bitter young man. And I kept a lot of unforgiveness in my heart. And I was rebellious and difficult. And I, but I really liked our animals. I liked the dogs and the cats at home. Because they didn't give me so much grief like the people did. So I liked the animals more than I liked the people. They actually did a study. They interviewed people and they asked them, if you have to choose your neighbor drowning, your dog drowning, who are you going to save first? They asked a bunch of atheists this question. All of them said, save the dog. Save the dog. <laughs> and the amazing thing is when I became a believer, do you know what happened? The value of everything else was reduced and the value of people were increased. Suddenly it's like people were on my radar. Suddenly the love of God started to burn in my heart for people. I want to reach people. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to, I want to impact lives. Suddenly I was just not so much self-focused. And suddenly I was starting to, to be other people, others focused. See, that's what eternity does. The reality of is going to come an end for every one of us. And people are valuable. So I want to read this powerful, well-known verse. John 3, verse 16. I don't read it so much but uh, in church. But so powerful. It says, For God so loved the world. God so loved people. He, he so loved people that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. And that's not physical death, that's eternal death. An eternity separated from God. An eternity not in heaven, but in hell. That eternity. But to have everlasting life. You see, love moves us. Even with God. God is love. And I can just imagine God in eternity... Seeing the whole rope, the whole of eternity, and seeing the destinies of mankind, and then having to evaluate, how are we going to do this? How are we going to solve this? Because my love is moving me, but then there's a price to pay. There's a cost. And then Jesus stepped forward, I presume, and said, Father, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll go through hell so that they may have heaven. 
I'll go through rejection and pain and suffering and, and die at the cross so that they might have relationship with you, so that their eternity might be good. So I can imagine the wrestle that God had to go through, like even Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he prayed and said, Father, if there's any other way, please take this cup away from me. Any other way. I don't want, I, I, but God, your will be done. Father, your will be done. Do you know what that means? For me, it means that if Jesus had to go through that, if he had to go through that suffering, that the whipping, the pain, the, the, the nails through his hands and feet, the, the, the shame, all, all the stuff that he had to go through, if he had to go through that much of pain and suffering, you know, you know what that means to me? That means that hell is real. That means to me that an eternity separated from God is true. Because otherwise, why? <laughs> why go through that? Why would God become flesh and lay down His life? Allow the created being to kill the Creator. Unless it's real. It's real. We don't like it. We skip those verses. Eek. Happy verse, please. Happy verse. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to go there. But it's still the truth. It doesn't change anything about the truth. Jesus went through hell so that you and I could have eternity, have heaven. God wants, God's love is calling for you and me to upgrade the value of people. On any level. God does not love the CEO more than He loves the street person. He loves them all the same. He loves them all the same. All colors, all statuses, all positions in society. He died for them. And we need to trust God to touch our eyes to see as He sees. And not be so stuck to the things of this world that are, there's no space in our hearts to love as He wants us to love. It's amazing. The, the, the founder of the Salvation Army. You know, we know the Salvation Army more today as a... As a um, like an NGO almost, you know, but originally it was an incredible um, organization or church. Uh, so William Booth, he was, he had this burning fire in his heart, love for people. And he would, and he said this amazing statement. He said, most Christians would like to send their recruits to Bible college for five years. I would like to send them to hell for five minutes. That would do more than anything else to prepare them for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. I believe that's true. If we would have a taste of what eternity without Christ looks like, we will be thankful like nothing else. If you have a living relationship with Jesus this day, you will be so thankful. <laughs> And then we're gonna, our hearts will burn for others. We'll, we'll be passionate for those who don't know God. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 12, it says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realize the brevity of life. I want to move you this morning. I want to move you of being stuck to the things of this world and thinking that your pension fund is the focus or your retirement one day is the focus. No, it's not the focus. Not bad to have a retirement fund, but that's not the focus. That's not where trust is at. We're not putting our trust in earthly. We need to move our trust into eternity. So, 
The things that we tend to get worked up is, uh, it just fades. I mean, Sonic and I spoke about it with all these memorial services. We were like, you know, it's incredible how you can get so focused on your stresses at work, the pressures, the issues in this world, you know, we get so focused on those things. And we just told us one another, but, but the moment a loved one passes, it's like all these other things mean nothing. You agree? It just doesn't, 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 does not compare. Suddenly you're like, it's not, because eternity has just flooded into your world. And suddenly you're like, but these other things don't matter. Relationship matters. People matter. Loving people well, that's what matters. And I'm trusting that our hearts will, will uh, shift. In the light of eternity, everything looks different. In the light of eternity, a few sacrifices for Jesus is nothing. It changes the game. So I want to take us to uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. I want to show you the power of generosity. just want to lay a foundation eternity. And now the power of generosity to move heaven. So amazing passage, Acts chapter 10. At this stage, only Jews have come to Christ from Acts chapter 2 to the end of chapter 9. And then God's plan has always been to get the rest of us in the game as well. He wanted to have everybody come to Christ. And so it says there in verse 1, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man uh, and one who feared God with all his household and who gave alms generously. Come on, say generously. One who gave to the poor, that's alms, giving to the poor generously and prayed to God always. So this is a man that did not know God as we know him. And, and he was a centurion. And, and it says there he was a man who feared God. Now, in our church, we focus a lot on, you know, we are sons and daughters of God, and God is love, and He loves us, and that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is God is holy. God is fearsome. God is the creator of heaven and earth, and He has a right to His created being. And it says here, this man had the fear of God. And he was a centurion. So I can imagine a soldier. Soldiers know that they, I can imagine for him as a Roman centurion. He knew that he is in Israel not for his own ways, for his own purposes. He's here to serve the purposes of Rome. He submitted to the emperor. He submitted to superiors. And he is here to do the will of the empire. He was a man who feared God. The fear of God says I'm not only a son or a daughter, I'm a servant. Come on, say it, I'm a servant. You need to get this. In our extremely individualistic, democratic society, we tend to not understand this. It's a kingdom with Jesus the King. We are servants, and we are here to serve His purposes. He saved you and me from eternal damnation. Not so that we can live life as we want to live it, so, but so that we can lay down our lives for His cause. We are servants. And the fear of God says, God is not here to serve me. I am here to serve Him. I am small, but He is big. My time, every minute, every second, my finances, 
Everything I have, every minute of my life, every second, every breath in my lungs is a gift from Him. I am His servant. Changes the game, doesn't it? The moment you start positioning yourself there, I am here to serve His purposes. And God is right now looking not only for sons and daughters, but soldiers. We are soldiers for Christ. We are to, to, to build out His kingdom in this earth. We are to love people as if it is Jesus loving them through us. That's what He wants to do. Your hands become His hands. Your feet become His feet. You, your feet go wherever He leads you. And, and, and the beauty of this is it's actually freedom. I, I spoke about this a few weeks ago. The fear of the Lord cuts away the flesh and it unlocks faith. The fear of the Lord is an anointing that brings freedom. Do you battle with selfish desires, sinful desires? Do you battle with lust? Do you battle with the desires and temptations that you know will bring destruction to your life? Well, the beauty is when the fear of God comes, it just cuts away the flesh. And suddenly you're like, no, not interested. We need to serve the king. There's something supernatural that happens the moment the fear of the Lord floods into our beings as it cuts away that selfish rubbish, and suddenly you can serve Him in freedom. Come on, say it. It is freedom. The fear of the Lord is freedom. And the Word of God says that Jesus, His delight was in the fear of the Lord. His delight was in serving His Father's will. That's when He went to Gethsemane. He could say, Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But not my will be done. Yours will, your, your will be done. You see, and for every one of us, if we are to truly follow the ways of God, if we are to see the kingdom of God come in this world, eternity breaking in, the kingdom breaking in into this realm, we need to understand, I am His servant. Fear of God is beautiful. It sets us free. It brings holiness. It gets the devil out of your life. So you want it. You need to desire it. And it brings freedom to you. So that's the one component. The fear of the Lord is I am a servant to God, uh, of God. The fear of the Lord says everything I have belongs to Him. Every minute, every moment. And the result of the fear of God in this centurion's life is he became a generous man. He gave generously. What's generously? Generously is more than what's expected. More than what's expected. He gave to the poor and he prayed always. So I want to say to you this. When you and I get a perspective on, of eternity, first thing that happens, people are upgraded in their value in our lives. People and relationships. And then the overflow is we get set free from the things of this world and the fears of this world. And suddenly we're going to find ourselves doing two things. We're going to be generous in prayer and we're going to be generous in our giving to people that are in need. Not trying to get your money for the church. I'm saying generous for those out there. God is wanting to put people on your radar. And He wants you to bless them. He wants you, It can be your time. It can be a cup of coffee. It can be walking with someone across the street when they're in trouble or whatever. It can be something so small. But it's putting people on your radar. I don't know if you've seen this uh, Facebook site. I'm staying. Hashtag I'm staying. So like in a month, it's grown to 550,000 people. On this group. And all that they share is stories of good things. Of how people in our country have loved one another. And so some would post how 
um, I was, she was driving in Cape Town in a scary-ish area. Car broke down, and then these, it's a white lady, and then these black men stopped, and they helped her. They did a whole lot of trouble, and she posted a photo on it and said, I just want to thank my angel for what he has done to help me in this scenario. And, and many such other stories of the one lady, she has been a domestic servant um, for, for, for 10 plus years. She, uh, no, no one in her family has ever finished school. And so the, the people, she wanted to finish school and she wanted to get a degree. So they helped her and people helped her. But ultimately, she went back to school. She finished grade 11 and 12. Then they helped her to study for six, seven, eight years through UNISA. And she just finished her, her teaching degree. Hallelujah. How beautiful. But generosity, people say, I'm seeing potential in somebody. I'm seeing value, not just what they do. I'm seeing more in you. You're more than a domestic worker. Although if you're doing domestic work, it's awesome. It's wonderful. Any, any role that we can do, any job we do is awesome. But, but to see potential in somebody, say, hey, let me help you. Generosity. So God, I believe, wants us to be generous both in prayers and in our giving. But now let's get back to those verses. Verse 3. So it says, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Isn't that beautiful? So heaven saw, heaven noticed an unbeliever. But who had a hunger for God and who prayed and who gave to the poor, who was generous because he had the fear of the Lord. I want to say, if you and I want to get heaven's attention, if we want to get heaven's attention for East London, if we want to get God, heaven to invade this church and our homes and our communities, which I'm sure we want to, we need to be generous in our prayers and generous in our giving to others. Amen. So I want to encourage you, there's a slide with an Echo Prayer app. There's, a thing, there's, a, there's an app I want to encourage you to download. It's for free. Download it, and then there's a, um, if you go under the one thing, there, under churches, you search Ignite the City, which is our prayer ministry, or um, Chauffeur East London, you search it, and you can follow our prayer feed, and we post prayers there, scriptures and things about specific topics, and then you can just click, hey, I'm going to pray. And it actually builds up the stats over time of who's praying for what, how many people are praying, how much time we're praying. And uh, it is, it is, it is it's such a cool app um, to help you in your prayer life. You see, if you and I have an eternal perspective, we won't just go through our normal day-to-day things. You're going to think, God, what are you doing today? In what way can eternity break into this realm? In what way can I touch somebody's life today? Because people are upgraded in their value in our hearts and minds. So come on, I want to encourage you. Begin to see people more than before. Especially those that you don't necessarily value as uh, important in your life. Those, those are people that God wants to bring onto your radar so that you can pray for them and love them and bless them. You see, love looks like something. Love looks like something. 
You can't just say, hey, I love you. All the married men knows. Doesn't work. Honey, I love you. And then she's like, show me. Wash the dishes, help around the house. All the women say, all the ladies say, amen. Preach it, brother. Preach it. Because love looks like something. Love says, I value my wife, so I'm going to help. I'm not just going to have her do her own thing on her own the whole time. I'm, I'm supposed to help make up the bed, wash some dishes every now and again at least. Now and again. <laughs> I'm not binding myself to a contract right now. <laughs> Strategically positioning myself. But I've also learned that the value of the gift doesn't always matter as much as the pain and suffering you have to go through to get it for her. That's actually, I've picked it up. That's actually how the ladies work. Guys, let me help you. They want to find out how much suffering did you go through to get those flowers. Did you, did you, did you really go through a lot of stuff for those then? Oh, yes, then we are very, then they're very blessed. Just, uh, just kidding. But, 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 but it does, it does, it does speak, it speaks, I love you when I give you some time. It says, I love you when I go to the shop and I buy the card and I write. My wife wants writing, so I write pages. And I pray before I write. Say, Jesus, help me right now. <laughs> I need to be deep. I need to be profound. I need to be loving. I need to not miss anything that I should be celebrating right now, Lord Jesus. But an email won't do it and a WhatsApp alone won't do it. It's like, no. And then when she gets it, then she's, thank you. Because she sees there's a bit of effort that went into it. You see, love looks like something. Love starts at home. Love starts with your spouse. Love starts with your children. Love starts there, but it must flow beyond it. Time. And what happens is when we don't have an eternal perspective, we get so caught up in these things, and we think our jobs and our businesses is everything. Guys, it's not. It's not. Don't sell your soul for the work. Don't sell your soul for making more money. The important thing is relationship. Come on, say relationship. Go and say people are important. Amen. Love looks like something, so there needs to be a movement. If we say we love the city, there must be movement. There must be action. There must be something that we're going to do. It starts with being generous in our prayers. And then it must overflow into actually being kind to somebody at work. And somebody maybe under your authority or maybe your boss even, you know, they... Also need love. Amen. Not too much? Just a little bit. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so the word of God, the word of the Lord is like a seed. Jesus spoke this parable of the, of, of the word being like seed falling on the wayside. And the one part of the word, he spoke about um, the seed being planted but then becoming barren because of the thorns. Thorns came up, sprang up, and it, and it, it choked choked the seed. Okay? So what is that? It speaks of deceitfulness of roots. It basically speaks of the things of this world. When we allow it in, it kills the word. So maybe you go to come to church or you go to church maybe most Sundays or every second, third Sunday you go to church, but you haven't seen much change in your own life. 
So you might say, well, the pastor needs to up his game. I'm trying. (laughs) But there's a role that each one of us must play. I mean, think about this for a moment. There was a person that walked with Jesus for almost three years. He was everywhere. He saw the miracles. He saw the kingdom coming. He heard all the preaching. I mean, Jesus. He saw the dead being raised. He saw the kingdom came. He saw thousands, crowds. These incredible things were happening. And he was there. And he saw it. And yet he denied Christ completely. Who's that guy? Judas. Judas. So he, and and, and the Bible speaks about his love for money his love for things, it says he was a thief. It says he was he, he, he loved to take money out of the out of the out of the petty cash box. The money box. He took money out. He was a thief. And the result of the world controlling his heart, that he betrayed Christ. He literally went to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and said, What would you give me if I sell God out? Ew. 30 pieces of silver. He sold him out. And he was there the whole time. I mean, that's shocking. But the challenge is, is that you and I can also be a Judas. You and I can also allow the things of this world to flood in, to take a hold of our hearts. And then ultimately, the way we live, we deny Christ. When we think, well, this is my time, is my money, is my things, is my house, is my car, is mine. And God's here to serve me. No. No, it's, it's absolute freedom. I tell you, when you become a servant of the Lord, like I, every now and again I say, Jesus, this is your church. <laughs> I'm not carrying this burden. <laughs> you can have your church, Lord. I'm just here to serve you. I'm having a good night's rest. What if you do the same? You take your business and say, Lord, it's your business. It's your work. You, you, it's yours, Jesus. This is for your glory. Now we're standing upon your promises and your word. God, it's, it's yours. You're going to sleep like a dream. Do you know when you don't sleep is when you begin to take that onto yourself. And you think it's yours. It's not yours. Give it to him. It is freedom. You will know peace and joy like nothing else. This is freedom. When you bow the knees, say, Jesus, I give it to you. Absolute freedom. So God wants to do that for you. So John chapter 12 just ending off with this. It says, this is Mary, the, the sister of Martha. And it's such a beautiful picture. In the same verse, it speaks about Mary, and then it speaks about Judas. It's amazing. It says, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. It's amazing. So here's a woman, where we read previously, she sat at the feet of Jesus often. She was just like, I love him. I love to receive his word. Here's a woman who loved Jesus with everything within her. And then she came and she took this very costly oil. They say it's a year's worth of wages. Imagine taking a year's worth of money, of salary, and you wasted on Jesus. <laughs> but that's where she was at. She was like, I love him so much 
that I don't care about worldly things. I don't care about the things of this world. I love him. She's like, she had a glimpse of there's more to life than, than things. And so she, I mean, she humbled herself in front of a whole lot of other men. She anointed the feet of Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair. Come on, that is love. And that is being a servant. That is laying down your being for the king. And then it says, but one of his disciples, Judas, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. You. He became a betrayer because he held on to earthly things. She brought the most beautiful worship that was put in the scriptures for millions and millions of people to read as a memorial to her. She moved heaven because she was free from the earthly. I want to encourage you. Let go. Give to God. Let go. Let go. Let go. Give to God. Give to God. Hand it over. Give Him the reins. Give Him the, the, the ownership. Give Him control. Give Him it because it's freedom. Because when you hand it all over, then He's the provider that will look after you for your future. He's going to make a way. Hand those things over. But I want to say to you, all of our generosity, when you, in, in Mary's case, she poured it out over Jesus. I want to say to you, when you and I bless somebody, whether it be your neighbor, a work colleague, random stranger in the streets, or in a, in, a, in a shop, or, or whoever it might be, you're pour, pouring oil over the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus said, whoever does something to the least of these, my brethren, they do it to me. So it's worship. I want to encourage you, this month, when you take a cup of coffee for somebody, you're giving it to Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you're going to love doing that. It's giving Jesus, pouring out the oil over the feet of Christ. It is, God, you are so, because I love you so much, I'm going to love somebody. I'm going to, my, 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 my love will get feet, because love looks like something. Amen. Come on, let's say it. Love looks like something. Amen. And I know if you don't have a living relationship with Jesus, what I'm saying now, it doesn't necessarily make so much sense. It only makes sense from a place of intimacy with God, where you realize there's more to life than what we see. So Sonica is an accountant, was an accountant, and, and she, she, she manages our finances. She submits the budget, but uh, she loves to manage finances and things. So she's more focused, and she loves generosity, she loves to give. So she came to me we on holiday uh, last week, and uh, so she came to me and said she's been praying, and she's feeling... Like the Lord is laying a number on her heart, a number of finances to give away from our bit of savings. And we can use it somewhere else. I'm like, you can never outgive God. So I'm like, yes. And then she goes and prays again. And she, she comes back and says, no, the Holy Spirit said to her, double it. I'm like, ish. <laughs> Woo-wee. But I'm like, yes. <laughs> you can never outgive God. We can use it some other places, but we're so psyched now because we have now a pool of funds that's dedicated to bless some people over this next month. 
And the Lord's already laid some people on our hearts. But we're going to, we, it is so exciting because you've already, you've let, let go, let, let it go. Move it over to the kingdom fund. And now we're going to bless somebody. Now it's lacquer. Now it's awesome because I'm not attached to it. But now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bless Jesus. I want to encourage you. There are a few things that are special this side of eternity than loving somebody in a tangible way. They're in trouble. They're going through a difficult season. They need some help. You, it comes on your radar. And you're like, Jesus, how can I help them? Prayer, time, serving, financial donation, something else. It's beautiful. It is freedom. I tell you. And heaven will, heaven will notice. Eh, how, how awesome would it be if, if heaven would say, man, that church there in East London. Not just us, but the whole church. Come on. The whole, the whole church of East London. What if, what if East London comes onto God's radar because the people, the believers in this town, in this city, become, becomes to be, be generous in prayers and generous in their giving to those on God's heart? Amen. I tell you, there are people on God's heart and He wants to bring them on your radar. Listen to what the Lord says. Listen. Love looks like something. Just want to say this last thing. A generous heart is a fertile heart. Generous in prayer, generous in giving is a fertile heart. It's the word of God's going to get a hold of you like never before. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to break out of spiritual barrenness, give until it hurts. So we were like, okay, that's a number, it's painful, but double it. And the reason I'm sharing it is not to boast. It's just, this is my job. We are supposed to lead the way. So I, as I'm sharing, I'm trusting that God's going to release something into your heart. And He's going to move you to be generous. In the light of eternity, everything looks different. In the light of eternity, we're going to love well. In the light of eternity, we're going to pray and we're going to give. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.